Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text is the gospel reading you just heard. Please be seated. <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, as you know, with Mark, everything happens at lightning, internet, high-speed action. Immediately, fast, with Mark. One immediately after another. And if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. So you'd better listen carefully then to Mark, because if you, if you start to nod off, the higher things people might, or daydream, you'll miss out on the best news you could ever hear in your life. You don't want to do that, do you? Well, of course not. I didn't think so. Now, in Mark, there's not many words, but there's loads of theological meaning with the words, for you and for your salvation, in, with, and under the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the text, 1 John baptizes most holy Jesus in the Jordan with a sinner's baptism, even though Jesus has no sin to confess and Jesus has nothing to repent of. Jesus is there to take on the sin of the world, to carry it to the cross and answer for it with his divine Good Friday blood. That's why he's baptized. Jesus, you remember in Matthew's account, says, let it be so now, for we will fulfill all righteousness. That's how he puts it in Matthew 3. So Jesus begins his Good Friday salvation job ministry with his baptism by John. What he has salvationally come to do for all and for you is now ratcheted up. It's now kicked into high gear. And the Father declares Jesus to be his beloved Son, and that he is well pleased with him, very well pleased with Jesus. Why? Well, as I've already indicated, it's because this is my beloved Son, Jesus, has come to do the messianic salvation of the world job. He is the Isaiah 53 suffering servant, Savior, and to do that salvational work. Jesus has come not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus is indeed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the sacrificial Lamb whose blood cleanses you from all your sin. And so, in Lamb of God Jesus, the Lord, to, be, to, bear, to borrow the phrase from the Old Testament reading, the Lord provides. <laughs> he provides for your salvation. So to carry out his work of being the Savior, beloved Son, Jesus is then equipped with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, like a dove, descends on Jesus. And so then, Isaiah 42 is fulfilled. Do you remember that? Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, I, I have put my spirit on him. And Isaiah 11 is fulfilled. Remember that? Then a shoot will spring forth from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So, Holy Spirit conceived Jesus is now Holy Spirit poured out on Jesus as the Father's chosen suffering servant and most beloved Son. In the Old Testament, you remember, God promised that he would pour out his spirit in the last days or at the end of time, the time of his Messiah. 
In fulfillment, then, you have conceived by the Holy Spirit and now the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And so now you know that these are last days or end-time events. And then in the Bible, there's Pentecost in Acts 2. And while I'm at it, let me add this. Your baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the... That's right, the Holy Spirit. And then there is Sunday after Sunday, Spirit-filled preaching of the gospel of Jesus in your ears and into your hearts. And lest I forget, (laughs) there is the weekly made to drink. Made to drink of the one Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, in the Lord's Supper. And even your bodies are now temples of the Holy Spirit. The last days, the end times, have come upon you as well. Well, I'm getting carried away with myself. Typical Lutheran preacher. I'd better get back to Mark 1. All right, then. Freshly baptized, ordained, and declared to be Son of God, Savior of the world, the Holy Spirit then immediately drives Jesus where? (laughs) Into the desert. Literally, the Greek says that the Holy Spirit threw Jesus there, like when you throw a, a baseball or a football. He throws Jesus into Satan's turf, Satan's domain, the wilderness. And there, the battle for your salvation begins in earnest by Jesus. Satan desperately and yet quite cunningly attempts to keep beloved Son of God, Savior Jesus, from doing a Good Friday. And so in the wilderness for 40 days, There are the temptations of the devil. Mark doesn't record the details of the temptations. Matthew and Luke do, you remember, and they go like this. You know, if you're the son of God, Jesus, why don't you turn these rocks into loaves of freshly baked bread? Why don't you jump off the top of the temple? The angels will catch you. The Bible says so in the Psalms. Fall down and worship me, and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Now, if you're the son of God, Jesus, then you need to start acting like it. Come on, put on a show for everybody. Make a scene for the world. Come on. But Jesus will not. Even though he is starving and weak, he will trust in what his father said. You are my beloved son. I'm most pleased with you. And so Satan must flee. His satanic temptations do not derail Jesus from going to his Good Friday death to save the world and you. Son of God Jesus, yes, is indeed the Savior, not in putting on the big show, but in suffering and in dying on the cross. And there Satan's head will be crushed and your salvation won through that very good death, destroying Satan who has the power of death. And then come these strange words recorded only by Mark, And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. With the wild beasts, no harm comes to the Lord Jesus. What's going on here? I'm glad you asked. Well, it sounds like what? It sounds like a Garden of Eden existence. You remember Adam with all the animals before the fall into sin? Now Jesus, the second and last Adam? So, whereas Adam, the first Adam, is the head of a fallen humanity, Jesus is now the second and last Adam. He's the head of a new humanity, a restored humanity. And in him, 
All the Old Testament prophecies of redeemed and restored creation are being fulfilled. Like Isaiah 11 that speaks of how things will be when the Savior arrives. Listen, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child will play by the hole of of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's din. They will not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain. And then you have Ezekiel 34. Bear with me. Then I will set over them my people, one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will make a covenant of peace with them, and they will no longer be a prey to the nations. Listen carefully now. And the beasts of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely, and no one will make them afraid. And he was with the wild beasts, Mark says. Again, what's the point? Our Lord Jesus has inaugurated the Messianic kingdom promised in the Old Testament that is spoken of in Eden-like terms. Isaiah's prophecy, Ezekiel's prophecy. Yes, the Old Testament promises of salvation are being fulfilled in this Jesus, declared to be the Father's most beloved Son, and then he is equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the Lord and giver of life. Jesus is indeed the promised Son of David, who shepherds his people by giving up his life for you. And there is now peace for you with God, and even peace with creation itself. He was with the wild beasts, Eden restored in Jesus. So it's no wonder then that Jesus preaches in his first sermon, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The promised time of Messiah is here. It's Jesus. God reigns on the earth in him. So now what? Now what? Well, there's two things. Jesus dares to say it. (laughs) Most preachers are forbidden to say this, but not Jesus. He doesn't listen to the experts. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's so Lenten, isn't it? And it's so baptismal living, isn't it? Well, of course it is. Repent. That means it's time to tell the truth about yourself, that you're a sinner, a damned rotten sinner. That's right, I even dared to say it. (laughs) But it's true about you, about me. And so let's stop kidding ourselves, shall we? We are not all these hotshot people that we think we are. Before others, you don't appear to be so bad, at least that's what you think. You compare yourselves with others and you grade yourself on on a curve. But when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, We don't look so good. Woe to me! I'm a man of unclean lips, Isaiah declared in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner, Peter said in the New Testament. And so to repent is to tell the truth. 
To repent is to say this, Lord Jesus, I am a, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you, and I have done what is evil in your sight, and I deserve nothing but your temporal and eternal punishment. And then Jesus says to us, believe in the gospel. What's that? It's this. Listen carefully. Jesus has taken all your sin. Yes, that's right. All of it. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan by John, Jesus engaged in a salvational sweet swap with you. That is to say, in the Jordan. Baptism meant for sinners Jesus absorbed all your sin in his body like a sponge in order to carry it to Calvary. And on that Good Friday, Jesus answered for all your sin. He endured the death and the damnation that we all deserved. Yes, Jesus takes your sin. No sin of yours he didn't die for. And in exchange, he gives you his holiness, his perfection, and his righteousness. Not yours, his. So you are now in Christ forgiven. He doesn't give you what you deserve as a sinner. Instead, he gives you mercy. He gives you life. He gives you salvation. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, your sin does not belong to you anymore because it all belongs to Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus. So the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That is living in and from your baptism, not just this first Sunday in Lent, not just all of this Lent, but all of your life until the end of your life, and then on to the resurrection on the last day when your baptism into Christ will be physically and bodily complete, when the mortal puts on immortality and the perishable is raised imperishable. Have a happy Lent. In the name of Jesus, amen.